back to another episode of the J. Roland Speaks podcast. I hope you had a wonderful day. I hope that whatever you did today was fruitful, was productive, and it was somewhat enlightening and that you did it with a lot of dignity and purpose. So this is the J. Roland Speaks podcast. If this is your first time here, we want to welcome you to a place where you can learn about poetry, a place where you can actually learn about the importance of edifying words and understand the importance of also wholesome content right those of you been following me for a while you know what you know the drill right this is a place where we can learn together this is a place where we can build together this is a place where you can actually like understand the nature of words themselves if you want to know a new word for tonight that's the word semiotics. If you want to know more about semiotics, I want to, I want to invite you to stick around. I'll teach you a little bit about what that means. And we're going to apply it. We're going to apply it to poetry. And we're going to actually try to understand why words are so critical to the way we speak, to the way we interpret, to the way we understand, and the way we create poems themselves. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the show tonight. As I said, if this is your first time here, we want to welcome you. We want to challenge you. We want you to take a minute to understand what it is that you are basically like looking for, right? What are you wanting? What are you looking for? What are you searching for? Have you been hurt recently? Have you been saddened by something distressful, distressing? Or maybe you did something wonderful today. Maybe you did something that was absolutely magnificent and you uplifted someone's heart today. What did you do? All those feelings that you're feeling right now, all those thoughts that you're thinking right now, all that information that you're processing right now, this is part of the fabric of creating a poem. You don't have to like poetry. In fact, those of you who completely hate it, I want you especially to stick around and I want you to hear some of these poems. I used to be like you. I used to be right there with you. I used to think that poetry really, really is impractical. I mean, really, how can you apply it to your life, right? But my friend, as the years go by, there's something truly magical about poetry and what it can do. So whether you're in the sciences or in the arts. There is absolutely something that will speak to you if you give poetry enough time to settle in your heart, to speak to you, as cliche as that sounds. And I know that you can learn something. You can see something different. You can feel something different. You can think something different. Anyway. We're about to get ready to start some poems tonight. I have a couple of poems here that I'm so looking forward to reading with you guys. And I hope that you guys really appreciate the theme and the message of this particular poem. So I'm going to wait a couple minutes until all my regulars are here. Some of them are still getting off work. I want to say a special shout out to all my friends in South Africa as well as Norway. Once again, 
all of you overwhelm me with your wonderful comments and your wonderful messages. I cannot say how just humbling it is that you guys actually listen to this show. <laughs> Seriously. You know, if we make it big, I absolutely will take a trip to both Oslo and Johannesburg. And I would like to go visit with you guys and just hang out with you guys for a weekend, you know? Maybe even do a live over there. That'd be wicked. Wouldn't don't you guys think? That'd be cool to do a live like in another country, you know? I would love to do that. So until then, let's enjoy the show. Welcome once again. And I hope you guys are so looking forward to this podcast tonight. If you didn't know this already, there is a platform that I have on Spotify. So after the show, go. Go check out Spotify. Look for J. Rolden Speaks. You'll see a picture of my face. I'm telling you, there's some really awesome content there that I know will speak to you. I know it will uplift you. I know it'll give you some some sense of peace. It may not be peaceful for you in its entirety, but at least it can actually like explain how you can apply peace in your life. Right? I'm no guru. I'm no any type of like licensed psychologist whatsoever. You know, my expertise lies in more in the media realm, right? In the media analysis. And I still have a passion and a longing for poetry. And I want to share that guy with you guys this, all these things that I've learned throughout the years. And I think there's a lot of philosophical concepts that can be applied and extracted from poems. And I know for a fact that most of these writers that I read, that I like to read, are just as intelligent, just as great thinkers, and even better thinkers than I will ever be. And so I hope you guys really, really learn something new. All right. All right, guys. You guys ready? Let me ask this one more time. Everybody ready? Let's get those thumbs up. Let me let me see you guys. Let me know. Give me a, give me an, an emoji that you guys are ready. Let's go. Come on. Sweet. Thanks for that, guys. That's really nice of you. So nice. So nice. <laughs> All right. Tonight's first poem. It's going to sound a little strange, but trust me, once you understand the message here, I think you guys will appreciate it. This is by Henry Van Dyke, and it is titled righteous wrath are you ready there are many kinds of hatred as many kinds of fire and some are fierce and fatal, 
with murderous desire, and some are mean and craven, revengeful, sullen and slow, and they hurt the man that holds them more than they hurt his foe. And yet, there is a hatred that purifies the heart, the anger of the better against the baser part, against the false and the wicked, against the tyrant's sword, against the enemies of love, and all that hate the Lord. O cleansing indignation, O flame of righteous wrath, give me a soul to feel thee and follow in thy path. And save me from selfish virtue, arm me for fearless fight, and give me strength to carry on. A soldier of the right. Righteous Wrath by Henry Van Dyke. You know, I gotta say this, guys. We spend so much time talking about the superficial aspects of love. And yes, it is important, right? There's something truly, truly necessary for human beings to experience true and perfect love. But there's also another side to it that is also just as critical, just as crucial just as important but we don't really like to talk about it a lot because we usually define the opposite of love as something that is like dangerous and negative and just like something that no way i'm never ever ever going to even practice this right and that's the word wrath and so why are we so weary of this word those of you who are new to this life you're gonna love this part i want to encourage you anytime you come across a word that you don't understand or at least not too familiar with or even too fond of actually okay if you're not if, you, if you're not a fan of a particular word i encourage you to do this i encourage you to study the history of that word, where it came from, what other languages did it originate from, what where did it derive from, where has, has it evolved from. That's what we call etymology. Okay, Etymology is the study of the history of the word. You want to really know what a word means today? Study its history, where it comes from, and you will have the absolute best and closest understanding of what that word means. And you will have such a, a grand appreciation for that word. So, this word wrath, it sounds a little kind of like, wait a minute, wrath? Oh, I sort of tense up when I hear about this word, right? And you're not alone, by the way. But once again, let me do an etymology of that word. So, the word wrath derives from very various languages, right? Particularly in G Germanic roots. 
It also has old Saxon roots as well as Frisian, right? If you don't know where Friesland is, it's actually in the uh, Netherlands and it's actually on the northeastern side of Netherland. And it's a very small region. It's actually not even Dutch. People who think that Holland only speaks one language, there's actually a very, very popular language called Frisian. And it's very different from Dutch. Just because you know Dutch, it doesn't mean you know much. <laughs> Sorry, I have to put that in there. <laughs> Just because you know Dutch doesn't mean that you know Friesland. Okay, Friesian. Friesian, sorry. And the same goes the opposite too. The other way as well, right? Like if, you know, if you know Friesian, you don't necessarily know Dutch either. Okay, where am I going with this? So, both in the old Saxon verb for wrath is the word wraith, okay? Which we actually have a similar word in English, wraith. And the root word of wrath and wraith, okay, is to twist. So when you are wraithing something, you are twisting it, okay? Now, through the years, that word got borrowed into Frisian. And the Frisian word for evil is wrath, okay? I can't pronounce it quite quite natural as a Fries a Friesland would but it's wrath okay wrath so it sounds a little bit like wraith and once again the old saxon and old germanic word for wraith means to twist but then the frisians borrowed it and then they they call evil wrath right now Let's fast forward 50 to 100 years later. Now that word in Dutch got translated to uh, read, which means cruel. Okay, cruel. And now when we go to the Latin root, which is where most of our language comes from, right? We have the word ver. W-E-R. And guess what that means? It means to turn and bend. All right. When we put all this together now, okay? Now we're in the modern era, right? In the 19th, 20th century. And now, obviously, 21st. But now, that, now when we put all those together, okay? When we put all those together, you should understand wrath is the twisting and the bending and the turning of evil. You see, we have such a misconception of wrath because most of us equate it with some somebody that's being angry, someone that's being a tyrant and just being angry. And yes, there is truth to that. It does it does partially mean angry but what are you angry about you're so angry that truth has been bent you're so angry that goodness has been bent you so angry that everything that is holy and wholesome has been basically like how should we say this stained we need wrath because wrath actually 
tries to bend and turn evil away. So someone that is wrathful is more angry at the fact that evil has twisted and desecrated truth and goodness. So if you want to know what love is, then you need to know what wrath is. Because wrath is there to protect and defend and twist and bend and turn away evil. That's why wrath is good. And it sounds a little ironic to hear that, right? I mean, you would think all these years I've been just totally just thought that wrath was just like this a bad thing to do, right? Someone that's wrathful. I don't want to hang out with them because they're angry all the time. Do you know why they're angry all the time? It's because ultimately a person that has wrath, the true original way of understanding it is that they are angry at evil that has tarnished and desecrated goodness, wholesomeness, purity, perfection. So yeah, I probably would be wrathful too. And sometimes I am. I am in the sense that, man, I cannot believe we live in such a broken world that so many people are blind or complacent to see that, man, there is something so much better in this beautiful world. This place wasn't originally supposed to be the way it is. <laughs> it was perfect. But evil found a way to tarnish and taint a human heart. Found a way to introduce death. Found a way to break people's hearts. And ultimately, it found a way to segregate mankind from the intelligent designer. You want to know what love is? Know what wrath is. You want to appreciate what love is? Appreciate wrath. You want to know the nature of love? Know the nature of wrath. You have to have both sides in order for you to understand the other. Now, of course, don't get me wrong, there's some people out there that are just full of anger and just really hate because they've that's all they know that's all they know but that doesn't make that doesn't make a righteous wrath right righteous wrath is a good wrath righteous wrath is a necessary wrath righteous wrath is a defending wrath righteous wrath is an edifying wrath righteous wrath is a in many ways a loving wrath so let me read this poem one last time, now that you understand the etymology of wrath. Once again, this is Henry Van Dyke by 
titled Righteous Wrath. Here we go, one more time. There are many kinds of wrath. And there are many kinds of hatred. As many kinds of fire. And some are fierce and fatal with murderous desire. And some are mean and craven and revengeful, sullen and slow. And they hurt the man that holds them more than they hurt his foe. And yet there is a hatred that purifies the heart. The anger of the better against the baser parts, and against the false and wicked, against the tyrant's sword, against the enemies of love, and all that hate the Lord. O cleansing indignation, O flame of righteous wrath, give me a soul to feel thee and follow in thy path. Save me from selfish, selfish virtue, and arm me for fearless fight, and give me strength to carry on, a soldier of the right. Come on, y'all. Give it up for righteous wrath, y'all. <laughs> it's a necessary and good thing. Because ultimately, it tries to defend sanctity, holiness, perfection, wholesomeness, perfect love. That's how you defend the purity of love with a righteous wrath. Don't forget that. Give me a couple of minutes here. I'm just going to take my dog out to the backyard. She's waiting for me. I'll be right back. <laughs> She was so patient. She was just like looking at me. It's like, I need to go outside. Yeah. Anyway, she's all good now. All right, y'all. So, shall we do another? Yes. I will answer that for you. We shall do another. You guys ready? All right. I came across this next poem. I've never read it before, and I'll be honest, I have a little trouble truly appreciating this poem, but there's something about it that I really, really enjoy, but also something that gives me a little bit of an eerie feeling as well, and so I'm going to share it with you guys, and I just want you to know I haven't really spent enough time truly understanding this poem, because I just came across it today, actually this morning, and it's by Bert Myers. And it's called Homecoming. And once again, I, I, I really don't understand fully what's going on or how it can be understood. 
but there's a couple of lines here that really stu stood out to me the most. And so maybe if I expand on those, maybe we can learn and understand it together. So you guys ready? By the way, thank you so much for all of your nice comments out there and you know, your whatever, just thank you for all that stuff. And you guys, I want you to understand, I don't expect anything from you guys. I just want you to listen and you know appreciate these works of art right these are wonderful works of art wholesome content things that will you know just make you see things in a different perspective and hopefully even appreciate your own life right so wherever stage of life you're in whatever the challenges are just know that there are so many great poets that have experienced what you have experienced and it's only a matter of time for you to connect with these words and hopefully they speak to you because they most likely will, right? All right. This is Homecoming by Burt Myers. Here we go. My father was a tender man whose blue eyes would overcast by noon, and every dusk he floated home in the soiled wind of his clothes. I flew to the ceiling in his arms, the silverware sang as he came to the table, and bright room rolled like a train that climbs its ladder through the dark. His hands are cobwebs full of flies and trembling in his lap. They've locked him up with strangers because he drools too much and I imagine freeing him. And we go to a town that isn't there where everyone he cries for, now wrapped in the bed's thick bandage, would come to shake his hand and he laughs. He lifts a child and grows, and he drinks and drinks the metal lark, and he smooths a stone's gray hair. But he stinks. He's a huge bib, a loose scab, a rotten cornflake clings to his lips. And there are mouths so cold, the salmon-colored tongue leaps without a sound, lonely ditches where a broken dove mourns in the rubble of a face, and men at the mercy of their parts, grime in the skull and despair, corroding the rainbows in their wires. And my home was a watercolor I left in the rain, and tonight the crickets ring and ring and nobody answers. The shadows of men are looking for blood, and someone has stepped on the classical face of the moon. And dawn comes, a gradual mountain range of ashes. The mockingbirds, those joyful books that opened in the sky, then close their pages on a branch awake and go mad, chewing the bones of their old songs and the flies. Such tiny fenders batter themselves in the air.
Homecoming by Burt Myers. You see what I mean? It's a little difficult to wrestle here to understand fully what's going on here. Obviously, there is a great respect and a love for his father and then describes his current state, right? He's in his last stage of life, basically. And it's not pretty. But Burt Myers, there's something in this poem that I think he's trying to basically like extract this idea that even though this gentleman who is his father is decaying, right? His body is decaying. Deep down his heart is still just as sweet, just as tender, just as loving and honorable. In so many ways, the homecoming is him finally being released from the brokenness of this world, right? All the things that rot us, all the things that potentially like stain us and decay us. These are just physical features, but deep down in the heart of this gentleman, this father of his, he's still this loving and gentle soul. That when he speaks, speaks with his eyes and through his eyes and through his laughter, through his kind-heartedness. You know, as many of you guys know, those of you who've been following me a while, I will never stop, I will never stop defending good men. Because we get a bad rap, man. We don't get talked enough. We really don't. We don't get talked well enough. We're expected to be a certain way. And those things are sometimes good. But we really don't respect men in general. And therefore, good men sort of get lost in translation. When we, when we try to define men in general. Especially in our current age. And so here, finally, we have a poem. And this was written actually just a couple of years ago. Okay, I, I want to say, like, mm, maybe not. Actually, I think it's a little bit older than a few years ago. <laughs> but there's a super importance of a good father. I know I've talked about this before, but it's been a while since I mentioned this. So those of you who are new to this live, listen to this real quick, okay? This is super important. There is actually data, okay? If you want to verify this, there's a scholar, several scholars actually, but one of the ones that are huge proponents of fatherhood is a guy named Vincent Waldrop. Once again, Vincent Waldrop. He is a professor at the University of Michigan, a very, very intellectual man, very smart man. And this guy knows what he's talking about. 
but he did a national study on the importance of fatherhood. And this is what he found. Children that don't grow up with a father figure have a very, very high percentage of being unsuccessful, having some type of social disorder, and most likely will end up in jail. It's alarming. While he does discuss the various reasons as to why fatherhood is slowly decaying in the United States, and I don't really want to debate that in this live right now because you really need to research that study for yourself, by the way, okay? Vincent Waltrip, Fatherhood Communication. Go to your local library. If you live close to a university campus, go to their library and look that up, okay? You will, it will not be a waste of your time. But one of the variables, okay, one of the variables is that there's been way too much emphasis on belittling men and basically like for the opposite gender there is an uprising right for all kinds of reasons that I don't want to mention in this life but fatherhood is critical it is crucial good men especially good fathers are a necessity if you want to have a thriving state, a thriving economy, a thriving family structure. And that's why in my lives, I always will defend good men, always, because we don't get defended well enough. This is not to say that I don't appreciate and respect a woman. Of course we do. Good men always do. But we need to really be proponents of good men. Because we are slowly being belittled, shut down, unappreciated, and almost irrelevant from a cultural sense. And that's very alarming. Back to this poem, Homecoming for Burt Myers. I truly believe that he himself was trying to showcase the importance of honoring your father, of remembering your father, of truly upholding and uplifting your father. You see, he was able to see past his physical disabilities as he was getting older, right? His body is decaying, but it doesn't matter because he could still see his eyes and how they spoke. He could still hear his laughter and how his body basically like moved when there was something 
uplifting, right? Something funny, something, you know, that was genuine. And so there was something wonderful about this man in his life, right? And that's why I absolutely love this poem. <laughs> it's so good, so good. And I hope that you guys do read it on your own time. It's called Homecoming by Burt Myers. So to all the good fathers out there, if you listen to this podcast, kudos to you. A thousand, a thousand huge chest pump and high fives to y'all. And I can't tell you how much you are necessary for this world, for this country, for the family structure. You absolutely are necessary, bro. You are needed. We need more of you. We absolutely need more of you. Don't don't stop being an honorable man. Don't don't stop being a leader for your children. Don't stop being a protector. Don't stop being a provider. Don't stop being a pillar to your friends, to your neighbors, to your workmates, and of course to your family, and to your companion, which I lovingly lovingly say, your woman. (laughs) Don't stop being a great protector of your woman. You guys are needed. Don't forget that, all right? Alright guys, <laughs> let's go to another one. Alright, I'm so looking forward to this next poem guys. I think you'll like this. This is by Sarah Tisdale. It's very, very short. And I have so much to say about this poem. I, I, I'm, I, can't, I can't wait, I cannot wait to read this next poem by Sarah Tisdale. Alright, give me one second while I find this real quick. We will get started momentarily. Hold, please. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Ah. All right. All right. You guys ready? This is. I'm so looking forward to this. Give me one second. This is titled, The Look, by Sarah Tisdale. You guys ready? Strephon kissed me in the spring, and Robin in the fall. But Colin only looked at me and never kissed me at all. And Strephon's kiss was lost in jest 
and robins lost and play. But the kiss in Colin's eyes haunts me night and day. Can't tell you how so good this poem is. This is written by Sarah Tisdale, just so you guys know, okay? <laughs> Obviously, she's talking about men, okay, in her life. So, here's one of the reasons why I like Sarah Tisdale so much, because in many ways, she kind of thinks like a man. She and I, and I mean that with a lot of, like, respect and sincerity here. Because... In all honesty, okay, this is this is this is true, guys. Okay, like I'm, I'm, once again, I don't speak for all men, but the good ones. This is actually pretty accurate as to like how we think about some of the ladies in our lives. Okay, <laughs> sure, we might have had some really great experiences, really great interactions, really just great dates. Right? Some of them resulted in kisses, right? All these things, all kinds of affectionate displays, etc., etc. But sometimes you come across this one person that you actually admire so much, that you respect so much, that you like are just thrilled to like hang out and see and have so much enthusiasm for, that you don't want to like kiss them not because you don't want to but it's like a sign of like respect right because that's how much you like really like desire this person right you're, you're trying to savor the moment basically and i can't tell you how much i can't fully describe like the sensation and the effect that the look That, that woman gives us sometimes it is a metaphorical imprint that is placed in our minds and no matter how many times we try to like shake it off or forget about it it's imprinted and it's like there for a long time Sure, there'll be some days where it's like, oh yeah, no, you don't dwell on it because you're so busy. But trust me when I say that look that you give us sometimes, it stays with us because we admired you from the beginning. We wanted to hang out with you from the beginning. We know how you made us feel from the beginning. Like we want to continue to just sit with you, talk. Be there when you needed us. And just listen. 
you made my soul move. I never knew what seconds meant till after I have met you. I never knew the warmth of the sunrise. The day after I started creating these ties with you. <laughs> Something really intricate about the way you look. I don't want to convolute it with my words. I just want to look at it at you. This is how I honor you. This is how I let you imprint yourself in my mind. This is how I remember you. So that the days that you are not here with me and that you are gone I can relive those moments in my mind over and over again as a supplement to the counting of the hours until I can create another memory with you. So, don't underestimate the greatness of the look. <laughs> anyway, very short poem by Sarah Tisdale, it's called The Look. But it's so, so sincere, right? Like, so, so great. I, I really, I really enjoy it. I, I've, I'll be honest, sometimes I find it awkward reading it from a, from a guy, you know, with a guy, like me being a guy, right? Because obviously she's mentioning all types of dudes here, right? So... It does sound a little strange, you know, say like, oh yeah, Streffen kissed me, right? So it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> let me let me make a disclaimer here. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, obviously this is Sarah Tisdale, and so um, I think there's something... The names really don't matter. They really don't, not in this poem. But the way she explains, like, this one particular person so much different from the other ones, right? The eyes haunt her night and day, right? She wants to relive those moments over and over. So, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. <laughs> that is Sarah Tisdale, The Look. Shall we do another? Yes, sir, may I have another? Alright. This next one is by Rabindranath Tagore. You guys know who he is. 
We've read his stuff so many times. But we haven't read this one, actually. This next one that I'm going to read. Some of you guys might know it. Many of you don't. This one doesn't really have a title, but it does come from a collection of poems that he wrote back in the early 1900s. So 1920s, 1910s, somewhere in between there. And he did win, by the way, a Nobel Prize. So, yes, he's that good. Okay, back in 19... 13, 14, 15, somewhere there, 13, 14, 15, <laughs> one of those, but obviously he's a, an accomplished writer, right, like this is the most prestigious award you could ever win as a literary writer, so a gifted man in every sense of the word, all right, so this is, the only title I can give you guys is verse two, <laughs> that's all I can give you, it doesn't have a title, it's just verse two. Here we go. Keep me fully glad with nothing only take my hand in your hand. In the gloom of the deepening night, take up my heart and play with it as you list. Bind me close to you with nothing, and I will spread myself out at your feet and lie still. And under this clouded sky, I will meet silence with silence. And I will become one with the night, clasping the earth in my breast. And make my life glad with nothing. And the rains sweep the sky from end to end. Jasmines in the west, untamable wind, revel in their own perfume. And the cloud-hidden stars thrill in secrets, and let me fill to the full my heart with nothing. But my own depth of joy. Those of you who haven't been following me for a while, whenever I do a finger snap, that means this thing was hot. Okay, this was a good, good recording. So this deserves three finger snaps. <laughs> that was verse two by Rabin Dranath Tagore. So good. Isn't that awesome? Come on, y'all. Let's get those likes up. Let's go. <laughs> Are you in 
enjoying yourselves? I would hope so. This is a sensational night of poetry, brought to you by the J. Rolden Speaks podcast. I hope you are learning something. I hope you are being edified. I hope that you let your heart be open to these wonderful words. Are you ready for another? I thought so. This one's titled At Nightfall by Charles Hanson Town. And here we go. so much the quiet of your love. After the day's loud strife, I need your calm and all other things above. After the stress of life, I crave the haven that in your dear heart lies. And after all toil is done, I need the starshine of your heavenly eyes. After the day's great sun, at nightfall, by Charles Hanson Town. Beautiful piece. Beautiful, beautiful piece. Amazing. Did you enjoy that? I got a riff on this one. My darling, my precious, precious woman. Every night, I resort to these words and I float them out into some ethereal space hoping that some form it will reach you and they will nestle in your heart that it produces some type of dance in you 
provoke a thought of me. And this is how I feel close, and I'm never lonely. It is at night that I think of you most. Of all the things that I do during the day, I want to end. All of them. With the thought of you. And so I paint you with words. So that when they do not reach you, they come back to me and I throw them on a canvas. So at least you are here with me. A monument to my happiness. A monument to who I want to honor. A monument to who I want to defend truth and love and every aspect of wholesome goodness that I wish to restore and build with you. And no matter how long it takes, these words until your illusion becomes a reality and I may rest honorably and truly in peace knowing that I loved you with the soulful gesture of words that I reserved just for you at nightfall. This is the J. Roland Speaks Podcast, y'all. This is how we do it. If this is your first time here, sometimes we do something called an improv poem. Sometimes it sounds like a poem. Sometimes it sounds like a letter. But it, usually I riff it off of, you know, other poems that I just read. And I just absolutely love this poem that I read from Charles Hansen Town. And it's called Nightfall. And as you guys have heard the poem already, I decided to expand it and create something a little different. So hopefully you enjoyed it. And if it didn't work, well, there's always the next time. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, guys. This is a fun, fun show. I'm having such a great time. I hope you are too. And if you didn't know this already, I have a Spotify account. So after this show, I need you to go to Spotify. All right. Download it. And I need you to search for my show. It's called J. Rolden Speaks. You'll see a picture of my face. 
And I'm telling you, you can't go wrong with it. Okay? It's such a great, great podcast. So much wholesomeness in it. Okay? And and that's a guarantee, by the way. And you can ask some of my other followers that have been following me for a while. It's nothing but wholesome content. You'll never question it. There'll never be anything that's going to be, you know, something weird. It's nothing but wholesome content. It's a place where you can learn something you can feel and feel edified and maybe even like share it with your own friends and family, right? So who knows? But I just want to reassure you, it's nothing but wholesome content and you will absolutely love it. And I want you to rate it. I want you to honestly rate it. I want you to let me know how I'm doing, right? Whatever stars you want to give it, just do it. Be honest. Really, really. I just want you to be honest, right? There's also a link where you can leave a message, right? So if you want to leave a comment, if you want to request a poem in the future, maybe share some ideas for a future podcast, let me know. Leave it on that message. And finally, if you have it in your heart, if your heart is telling you to support the show, I can't tell you how much that goes a long way for me. I want to say a special thank you to all my current supporters. You all are such are truly making a difference in my podcast, in my life. And I can't thank you enough. And I want to continue to produce wholesome content for y'all. And so if there's anybody out there that wants to also support the show, trust me when I say I put so much time and effort into these, every single one of these podcasts. And some of the stuff that you see here right now, I mean, you may not see it on your screen right now, but some of these lighting has been purchased by the help of my supporters. So I also want to... I'm. A, I want to change my mic eventually. I want to get something that has like some color in it and especially like some lights in here. And so I found this one that's actually kind of cool. Anyway, we're trying to, you know, be smart with the finances here. So maybe one day we'll get it. We don't know. This one's still working out pretty well. So I'm not complaining about this whatsoever. But I just want to change it up a little bit, right? Give it a little pop into some of these uh, podcasts. And so hopefully you guys support the show, right? It really makes a difference. So think about it. You're not obligated to, but I will say, I will say, I know this might not be pleasant, but eventually my podcast on Spotify will go exclusive for my subscribers. So if you don't want to miss out, I encourage you to subscribe to my podcast before it becomes only available to my subscribers. All right. Right now it's open and it's public and you guys can check it out as much as you want. Listen to it as many times as you want, but eventually it will go exclusive for my subscribers and I'm telling you you don't want to miss out all right there's content out there that's not on these TikToks so just so you know but big shout out thank you to all of you all right thank you so much for being here guys all right we're not done with the show yet we still got a couple more here that I would like to read and once again thank you so much to all of you that have sent some such wonderful messages and kind-hearted words and once again all y'all in Oslo right now, seriously, you got to stop it. <laughs> you guys are so cool and you're so sweet and you're so kind. And I just, man, I am absolutely humbled by you guys watching. It's, it's literally like, it's, what is it? Five o'clock in the morning over there right now. <laughs> and you guys are listening to this crazy, man. Come on, y'all. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for all of your kindness. And I hope that you guys continue to love this show. All right. And I, I remember you South Africans. You guys are definitely in my mind. So don't worry. I got you. I got you. I got you. One of these one of these podcasts, 
I'm going to read strictly from poets from South Africa, poets from Norway. And I want to read it in the native language too. Man, it's going to be so hard. But I, I, it's, it's a personal challenge that I want to give myself. And I want to do one, at least a couple of poems in Norwegian and also in Afrikaans. And I cannot wait to get it down to a perfection. And I hope that it's going to be a great performance for you guys. And I hope you love it. And we'll see. I'll try to honor and be as authentic as possible. But I just want to let you guys know I'm so excited, so honored for your support. And of course, of course, all my Latin American friends, muchas gracias, un millón de gracias. Estoy muy agradecido por ustedes. Espero que Dios les siga bendiciendo y les dé un gran abrazo y sienten el amor de Dios en sus vidas. Ustedes saben que yo soy un creyente, así que espero que disfruten este show, que lo comparten con sus familias. Y bueno, quiero que ustedes siempre sean bienvenidos en cada uno de mis podcasts. Así que muchas gracias por, por su apoyo y nunca me olvido de ustedes. ¿Cierto? Nunca me, me olvido de mis raíces. Así que no se preocupen, voy a leer unos poemas en castellano por ustedes. En vivo y en directo. ¿Estamos listos? Alright guys, I'm going to read a very short poem by Gabriela Mistral, she's a Chilean poet, and I promised my Spanish speakers that I would read one, so I will try to translate this, it's very 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 short, it's only four lines, and I hope that you guys enjoy this one, alright? This is titled, Besos, which means kisses, by Gabriela Mistral, alright. Spanish first, English next. Hay besos que pronuncian por sí solos. La sentencia de amor Besos que se dan con la mirada Y hay besos Que se dan Con la memoria English next Here we go kisses that announce for themselves the sentence of condemnatory love and there are kisses given with a glance and there are kisses given
Tell me you haven't experienced that before. Right? There must have been some dude, right? If you're a lady, there must have been some dude that just gave you this amazing kiss with their eyes. And if there's any dude in his life, there must have been some woman that just gave you this kiss with their eyes. Right? They didn't even touch you, right? It just, but you knew, you knew, you knew that they gave you this kiss with their eyes, man. And you just like, man, please, can I have some more? <laughs> that was amazing. So much better. So much better than that physical kiss. It's that look that Sarah Tisdale talked about. And Gabriela Mistral knows exactly what she's talking about. Dang. Hay besos que se dan con la mirada. There's kisses that are given with a glance, with a look. Y hay besos que se dan con la memoria. And there are kisses given by memory. That little rift poem that I talked about, that I shared with you guys earlier in this live, that's what I was doing. I was kissing the woman by the memory I have of her. I was kissing her. I was kissing her with the words. I was kissing her and, and I was being kissed by remembering her glance, her look at me. That's what I'm talking about. You know, there's actually scripture in the Bible that says the truth is like a kiss on the lips. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> so many, so many acts that demonstrate this form of like being genuine and honest with a genuine and honest kiss. We don't need to convolute it with words. All you need to do is have that kiss and that's it. And then just have that moment of glancing at each other's eyes. Right? Pre or post kiss. Don't spoil it with saying something. Just enjoy that memory. You're getting imprinted, bro. <laughs> it's fantastic, man. This is so good. Thank you, Gabriela Mistral. Amazing. Amazing. It's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> All right. I kind of, I, okay, so several lives ago, I think it was last week actually, do you guys remember the quote from The Painted Veil? 
the one that I had trouble finding for some time. I feel like I gotta read that that quote again. You guys mind if I read it one more time? So this is a a a, a, a scene from a, a chapter, and I can't remember what chapter it is from the Painted Veil, and basically it's a gentleman talking to a woman that is so stubborn okay she's so stubborn and even in her stubbornness this gentleman still adores her still loves her even in her stubbornness right and he's trying to let her know like look even though you are completely stubborn i still have a grand affection for you and i need you to understand why and I absolutely love this scene, right? From the painted veil. So I think you guys are in for a real treat. If you haven't had if you haven't read the painted veil, okay? I know many of you are familiar with Pride and Prejudice, which is a great, great, great story. But if you enjoy Pride and Prejudice, then you will absolutely, absolutely love the painted veil. Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. Once again, if you know and have read the Pride and Prejudice, then you will absolutely enjoy the painted veil you need to read that okay you absolutely need to read that so good all right i'm gonna try to cram this in less than three minutes i don't know if it's gonna work but we'll give it a shot you guys ready all right i'm looking forward to this <laughs> this track by the way all right five four I had no illusions of you about you I knew you were silly and frivolous and empty-headed you. I knew that your aims and ideals were vulgar and commonplace, but I loved you. And I knew that you were second rate, but I loved you. It's comic when I think how hard I tried to be amused by the things that amused you and how anxious I was to hide from you that I wasn't ignorant and vulgar and scandal-mongering and stupid. I knew how frightened you were of intelligence and I did everything I could to make you think me as big a fool as the rest of the men you knew. And I knew that you'd only married me for convenience, and I loved you so much, I didn't care. Most people, as far as I can see, when they're in love with someone and that love isn't returned, feel that they have a grievance. They grow angry and bitter. I wasn't like that. I never expected you to love me. I didn't see any reason that you should.
thought myself very lovable. I was thankful to be allowed to love you, and I was enraptured when now and then I thought you were pleased with me, or when I noticed in your eyes a gleam of good-humored affection. tried not to bore you with my love, and I knew I couldn't afford to do that, and I was always on the lookout for the first sign that you were impatient with my infection. What most husbands expect as a right, I was prepared to receive as a favor. Game over. This is why you need to read The Painted Veil, y'all. Just for that. <laughs> Just for this scene. It's so good. You need to understand the build-up, too, by the way. Okay? What led to this gentleman speak to his woman like this? Okay? Trust me when I say, the woman that he's speaking to was so stubborn. <laughs> so stubborn. And she just was like all over the place. <laughs> so yeah, I understand his, shall we say, heartache. <laughs> but you know what? He still loved her. What an amazing gentleman. <laughs> it's so good, man. And that was a scene by the Painted Veil. Thank you so much for listening in to, to this great live, guys. I hope you're enjoying the show. This is the J. Rolden Speaks podcast. All right? I'm going to sound like a broken record at this point. But you really need to follow and subscribe to my podcast, guys, on Spotify. Don't forget to do that, all right? All right, just a few more here. And we'll call it a night. It's going to be good. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. And I'm going to read a sonnet by Shakespeare. Sonnet 20. You ready? This track is perfect for it. So let's do this together. All right? All right. In three... of my passion, a woman's gentle heart, but not acquainted with shifting change as is false women's fashion, an eye more bright than theirs, 
less false and rolling, gilding the object whereupon it gazeth. A man in hue, all hues in his controlling which steals men's eyes, and women's souls amazeth. And for a woman wert thou first created, till nature as she wrought thee, fell, a doting, and by addition me of thee defeated, one thing to my purpose, nothing. But since she pricked thee out for women's pleasure, mine be thy love and thy love's use. spend some time with poetry. Just so everybody knows, I'm not a poetry expert. My scholarship is not in poetry. But I appreciate it. I appreciate what it does, what it's trying to do, and how it speaks to every human being. Truly. Not every poem is necessary or appropriate for every age or even gender, but poems in general are meant to have a distinct form of telling us stories, of sharing us sentiments that are otherwise complex and simplifying it in a way that imprints us. I once described a friend of mine a long time ago. She wore this beautiful, kind of like a bluish, grayish dress. And her dad was a chicken farmer. That's right, I said chicken farmer. <laughs> so she was a she was definitely a country girl. And she usually like, kind of like dresses more like a, a, a tomboy. You know what I mean? And that's one of the cool things I liked about her. Her personality was just like so down to earth. I really liked her. And then when I when I asked her to a dance at this venue. I had no idea if she was going to dress up that well. But I, I certainly, I did dress up, by the way. I just want to clarify that. I was ready. But I didn't know if she was going to dress up. Because, you know, she's a country girl. But dang, when I saw her walk. Because, I, you know, I went, I went to pick her up. 
And when I saw her, like, walk, man. Like, I know this sounds cliche, but man, it was slow motion that night. It really was, like, when I saw her walk with that dress. And the first thing, and the only thing I told her when I saw her <laughs> in that dress... I was kind of a I was kind of a nerd actually before. <laughs> I, I'll admit I was actually nervous, and the only thing I said was like, "Wow, you look poetic." <laughs> I think her eyes at the beginning were like a little bit estranged because probably didn't expect me to say that, right? Probably should have said something. Oh, like you look so beautiful, right? Probably that would have been better. But the only thing I could say at that moment was like, you look poetic. <laughs> and I actually don't regret it, actually. I don't regret saying that because now that I'm older, right, wiser, more mature, that's actually a really great compliment to give someone. When you actually tell somebody, man, you're poetic, bro, or my lady, you look so poetic. What you're really saying is that, you know, you really don't have a definition for what you're emulating at this point. Sure, I can tell you you're pretty. Sure, I can tell you you're beautiful. Sure, I can tell you that dress looks great on you. Sure, I can tell you that you did your hair so wonderful, right? It looks so great on you. You smell great. You look great. Okay, I can tell you all of these things. But nothing encompasses all of that and more than if you were to tell somebody you're poetic. Truly. Because poesis in itself, those of you who don't know the, the etymology of, the, of poetry, okay, of the word poesis, it's a Greek word, and it stands for in the making. And yes, there's a gerund at the end, an ing, which means that it's not finished. It's constantly being made. And so, so someone that looks so lovely, someone that looks so precious, someone that did their hair so wonderful, someone that smells great, someone that looks great, and that just has a just a beautiful personality in general. It's like, not only does the dress complement your personality, and not only does your skin complexion like look so perfect for the entire color theme on you. No, no, no. You're more than just those things. You are absolutely poetic. My darling, you are poetic. <laughs> I love that phrase. So I want to encourage all of you guys to read poetry on your free time. I want to encourage you guys to read some wholesome, wholesome, written beautiful stories by these great masters of poems. And I hope that you start growing spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, and that it motivates you to seek what I have been calling for these past months, something called perfect love, because there is such a thing as perfect love, by the way. 
but you need to find out what that what that means, what where it comes from. And there's only one type of perfect love. I know many of you probably are going to argue against it. That's fine. But if you seek out perfect love, you will find absolute truth. A truth that is based on love and wrath. Don't forget about that word. That was our word for tonight. Wrath. Righteous wrath. And I hope and pray that when you are standing in front of that knowledge, of that wisdom, that you allow your heart to really take in what it means to be loved by this amazing, amazing, intelligent designer that has always, always tried to love you and continues to love you, but we're too stubborn to see it. So hopefully poems will break and shatter that boundary, that defense that you might have, that you've accumulated through the years, and make it ready for this amazing perfect love. This has been an absolute pleasure, a privilege. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I hope that you guys continue to seek out that truth that I was mentioning. Thank you so much for spending your evening with me. Thank you so much for supporting the show, all you current subscribers. And those of you who are thinking about jumping and joining the club, please do. It really makes a difference. It really does. And I will continue to be as honorable and as thought-provoking as possible, producing wholesome content for not just you, but hopefully for the younger generation. And that they will know that not everything that is online is a waste of your time. So, cheers to all good men, to all the wonderful precious women, to all of the great families out there, and to all of the seekers of genuine, perfect love, the lonely, the heartbroken, and the joy, hopeful people, peaceful people. We need you. We need you. And if I don't see you, just know that I'm in a perfect place. And this has been an absolute pleasure and privilege. Para mi hijo Matías. Te quiero mucho, hijo. Nunca me olvido de ti. Siempre estás en mi corazón. Siempre. Yo te amé antes de que tú nacieras.
y jamás voy a dejar que tú no sientas el amor y el cariño de mí así que te quiero mucho hijo good night everybody